Catch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. My name is Alex Horowitz, and welcome back to the Tech Them All podcast. Today, we are back with Jordan Leopold and Jack Weinberger. We know it's been a few months. Uh, we are happy to be back. Lots of ha- lots of happenings in the world of sports nowadays with March Madness uh, occurring in about a week. Spring training is underway in the MLB. NFL offseason is in full swing. NBA All-Star game just took place. Hockey is in action. Every sport's really going on. Wild times for sports. You know, we're especially... Uh, you know, especially fortunate to be listening to sports now and watching sports, you know, with the pandemic still ongoing and, you know, uh, obviously sports are not the same, but we're happy, uh, happy we can still watch them. But anyway, I think we will just want to get rolling with, um, the NCAA tournament, but, but before we get really into things, uh, Jack and Jordan, how are you guys doing? Great, Alex. Thanks for the little intro there. Uh, it's great to be back. It's been, uh, it's, it's been too long. I got a nice new pair of headphones now, and, and I'm, uh, I'm ready to go. Uh, and it's the best time of year, perfect time to get, get started up again, best time of year for sports fans. NCAA tournament right around the corner, Selection Sunday coming up in a few days. But the madness has started. Uh, teams punching their ticket this week in the smaller conferences. Championship week. Today we just saw my boys from the NEC, Mount St. Mary's, take down Bryant. And I, I cashed with the Mount St. Mary's money line at six and a half point underdogs in that game. Uh, and Manus is here, and uh, I'm excited. It's time to roll. Man, I'm excited to be back, guys. We haven't done this in, you know, so long. Last time we did this, Brady had six rings, and Lindor was still an Indian. So it's we got to pick right back up where we left off. You know, we're in the heat of college sports now. Uh, if you go to Division One baseball, uh, the Razorbacks are 10-0, and blowing up D1 baseball. For D3, my Muhlenberg Mules, we open up our season on the 20th. So college baseball is getting in the swing of things. Obviously, uh, you have all the conference tournaments coming up for men's and women's basketball and March Madness coming up soon. March is a great month. Spring training. Everything is just in full. We are just in the full swing of everything sports now, and it's great to be a part of it. So, so, so Jack and Jordan, so March Madness 2021, tournament going to be played in the entire state of Indiana with only a few different arenas being played in, you know, because of the pandemic. Nonetheless, the tournament is back after a one-year hiatus. And the conference tournaments are well underway. If not, you know, some of them are already over. Today, we saw a couple of tickets clinched. We have Drexel making their first tournament since 1996. Mount St. Mary's making their first tournament, uh, second tournament, rather, in the past five years. Uh, Cleveland State making their first tournament since 2009. Um, none of the really big conferences uh, have clinched in most of the smaller conferences, uh, mid-majors, which kind of leads me to my next question. Uh, guys, March Madness is all about upsets, all about sleepers. Who do we like this year in the, as sleepers? You know, whether they're a Power 5 um, sleeper, maybe like UNC, or a, uh, a mid-major sleeper, someone like, you know, Mount St. Mary's. But, Jack, I'll lead it off with you, uh, our college basketball guru, per se, uh, I know you just uh, had good luck with Mount St. Mary's. Uh, let's see if you can, can continue the luck uh, into the tournament. Who do you like as a sleeper? And, uh, yeah, let, let's hear from you. Well, as much as I would love to say that Mount St. Mary's can do what UMBC did this year, uh, there's no way that they will be playing past the round of 64. 
they will lose to Baylor, or Illinois, or somebody by fifty points. Um, but I, I think Jack, I, I just want, I, I, sorry, I just want to interject there. I think there's a good chance they don't even make it out of the round of sixty-eight. Uh, there's a good, yeah, uh, certainly, of course. Uh, <laughs> now this this year, in in the past, guys, and in, in previous NCAA tournaments, I was, I had believed that there was probably fifteen or so teams that can win it all. The tournament had great depth. You know, we saw recently Auburn as a five take down North Carolina and go to the Final Four. We saw South Carolina with Sundarius Thornwell as a seven, you know, take down Duke and go to the Final Four. So in prior tournaments, we've seen the tournament super deep, whereas this year, I really don't believe there's more than seven teams who can win it all. I'll list those seven teams. Start with, start with the obvious. Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois. Those one seeds, the powerhouses, those beasts up at the top at the one line. And then you got that next set of teams who I believe can win it. You got Iowa with Luca Garza and a bunch of great shooters around him. You got West Virginia, a dangerous West Virginia team who Bob Huggins coach team who can score, is who is very dangerous. Then I believe Ohio State and I believe Alabama can win the tournament. I do not believe Houston can. They've lost to Tulsa, Wichita State. They play in a fraud AAC. They've lost to East Carolina. So I believe there is a group of six or seven teams who can win it. I think the winner comes out of the Big Twelve or Big Ten. Now, if you want me to give a sleeper, it's hard not to say Tom Izzo, the man who owns the month, the month of March. You don't want to play Michigan State. This team has won three games over top five teams in the last two weeks. They've beaten Michigan, Illinois, and they've beaten Ohio State. This is not a 10 or 11 seed who you want to see here. And uh, so I would say they're my sleeper. Not going to win it all. One of those seven teams I just listed will win it all. Not as deep as it's been in the past. But again, it should be a great tournament, and maybe I'm wrong. March surprises me in so many ways year after year. Jack, you just picked Michigan State as a sleeper team. How many years can that be a sentence? Yeah, funny, right? (laughs) Funny stuff. I mean, yeah, Michigan State, UNC, teams like that are actually on the outside looking in for the first time in forever. It's kind of strange. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say uh, they've definitely locked up tournament spots. I wouldn't say outside looking in, but they were outside looking in as a couple well, weeks ago. You know ago. what I mean? They're not. Yeah. They're not a top three, top five. Yeah, no, they'll, they'll be. It's 10, not just Duke, UNC, Gonzaga, Kansas, like it is every year. They'll be ten, right. eleven seeds. Yeah, you're right. UNC also team playing good basketball. Just beat Florida State, beat Duke by thirty, going into the the a- ACC tournament hot. That's not a team I want to see either in the, in the early rounds. I'll give you my sleeper pick, and I'm not saying they're necessarily going to win the tournament, but if I'm asking for a team that's going to make a Cinderella run, I'm thinking the UConn Huskies. Now, now hear me out. I know they're third in the Big East, but they're 14-6 and six overall. They've won 5-6 of six since Bonite came back from his injury. Um, the only loss they had in that span was to, of course, Villanova. And, you know, they're a guard-oriented team. And I, we've seen them have that success in the past, obviously, you know, during the Kemba days. And I think they could do it again. Yeah, Jordan, that's a, it's, it's a definitely a fair assessment and a fair pick to make because, like you said, very guard-oriented, good guard play. James Bonite, you can compare him to that Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb team. And now if they can make a little run in the Big East tournament, you know, Villanova's down Gillespie, they're down Justin Moore, they just lost to Providence, they lost to Butler. If UConn can go and maybe win that Big East tournament, they'll probably have to see Creighton. But if they can beat Creighton in that tournament, improve their seating a bit, and get, you know, that six or seven line like they were a few years back, you never know. 
I don't see him past the Elite Eight, but you know, you never know. And guys, uh, so I don't know if you guys, if you, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, I placed a futures bet on West Virginia plus twenty five hundred to win the NCAA tournament. Uh, odds have actually gone up to plus two K now, so I, I, I'm feeling like you know uh, I got a little bit of a steal there at plus twenty five hundred because now the odds are starting to dip a bit. Just took Baylor to overtime, um, and you know they're they're. Fourth and finished fourth in the Big Twelve. They had the two seed locked up, but choked at home. Well, Jack, your basic r- rule of thumb for betting is this: as long as you don't make the pick for me, you'll be fine. Jack's given me betting advice in the past, and don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic better. The rule is: if I don't have that game, it's probably gonna hit. If I actually put a bet on, <laughs> if I actually put a bet. On a particular game that Jack's betting on, he's going to lose his money. So just tell me not to bet that night, and you'll be fine. Well, that's the good old-fashioned bad juju. You said, did we know uh, you put the West Virginia bet? Yes, I did know that. Uh, very ambitious by you. I mean, I think West Virginia is a good team. Championship caliber, though, that's another question. I actually like, just as a quick aside, I like Alabama. The, um, the Crimson Tide as a sleeper. I mean, coming out of the SEC... Uh, I know, um, I know they're not normally a SEC powerhouse, but top ten in the country this year. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just have an inclination that Alabama is gonna make a Final Four run. You look, Alabama, Alex. You know, John Petty, one of the best players in the country. Herb Jones, uh, Javon Quinterly off the bench, Shackelford bringing up the ball. There's a lot of good players, and when they get hot and they're shooting threes, everybody on this team can shoot. They're one of the best offensive teams in America. I think, you know, when, when we've seen them play slow, or sorry, not play slow, but when they've been off from the floor, they've lost a couple bad games. You know, Arkansas beat them pretty good. Uh, Georgia had them. Missouri beat them. Uh, when they're hot, they can go very far. But if they're cold, which is the one knock on them, is they're very one-dimensional when it comes to scoring. And if they're cold, they can be bounced in the second round. But, you know, Alabama hot, they can beat anybody in the country. Sure, Jack. And I just have one more question uh, for either of you. Can you give me uh, one team from, I'm not even going to say mid-major like, you know, UConn or Gonzaga. I'm talking real low mid-major that can not make a Final Four run per se, but Sweet 16, Elite Eight, even, you know, even win a game or two. Do you, do you have any teams in mind uh, that'll really, that'll really shock the world if if the opportunity presents itself? Marish Red Foxes all the way, baby. Yes, sir. Playing in the in the in the MAC quarterfinals on Thursday night, you guys. A, a, a betting, the highly a, anticipated MAC quarterfinal. A betting tip here: Niagara played Maris in the first round of the MAC tournament last year, and Niagara beat them. Now this is the best season Maris has had in over a decade, and now little little chance for revenge here in the first round against Niagara. Line will probably be two or three. I don't know yet, but I would hop all over the Maris Red Foxes coming in hot to the MAC tournament. I'd hop hop on Maris over Niagara on Thursday night. Uh, Thank you, Jack. You know what? I'm gonna do that, and I'll update you guys when uh, I lose my money. So, but a sleeper team, not in the Power Five, Alex. To answer your question, we, along with the rest of America, should all have the same team in mind, and that's a team who went to the Final Four not long ago. It's a team who kept two of their players, Loyola, Loyola Chicago, Loyola, Loyola, Loyola Ramblers, won winners of 18 straight, uh, just won their conference tournament, 
the hottest team, one of the hottest teams in America coming into the NCAA tournament. This is a team that can go to the Elite Eight once again. I like that pick. I mean, when the Ramblers made the Final Four in 2018 and they lost to Michigan, I was all aboard the loyal Chicago bandwagon. Uh, great to see them, you know, back doing good things in the uh, Missouri Valley. Um, as for other mid-majors, I mean, like you said, it's a very top-heavy season, especially with so many games being postponed and canceled. The records are uneven. Kind of a wacky season. So if I had to give a a team, you know, to go far, honestly, probably Loyola, too. I honestly didn't even realize they went 18 in a row, but uh, that's my pick. However, however, if Maris does come out of the Mid-Atlantic uh, Athletic Conference, the MAC, I'm pulling for them to win a game. I, don't, I believe, has Maris ever made the tournament? If, if not, they haven't made it for a while, yes, right, they've, Jack? they've only made it once, and it was before 2000, and they played Pitt in a 3-14 game and got smoked by the Panthers. But that was the last time they made it. Good, good. Just just a quick aside for our listeners. Uh, Jack, uh, he's a senior about to graduate from Marist. Who was a player or two on the Marist, uh, Marist Red Foxes uh, that, you know, that viewers uh, should look out for, whether or not they made the tournament? You can, oh, you can take this out of everyone, because I don't know if that's relevant. But Wait, what did you say? You kind of like froze at the end. Uh, I was saying, for our listeners, uh, whether or not Marist makes a tournament as a uh, as a conference champion or not, who's a player to on the Marist uh, Red Foxes that uh, people should be aware of? You know, like I said, whether or not they win the, win the conference or not. Well, a couple of players should have watched uh, in the MAC tournament here for my Red Foxes. I will say, let me start off by saying how unfortunate it is that they lost their best player, who I'm actually pretty good friends with in a couple of my classes. I was texting him earlier. Uh, Michael Cubbage, senior, uh, hurt his foot, fractured his foot in the, in the fourth game of the season, I believe, fourth or fifth game of the season. He will not be playing in the tournament, uh, but the Foxes have done well with Adam. Good freshman play. Keep an eye out for Matt Harasme, junior, uh, went to Don Bosco, North Jersey kid, um, and senior John Jones. Now keep an eye for those two who've been leading the Foxes on, on, a, on a nice run here towards the end of the regular season. Keep an eye out for those guys on Thursday night. A- anyway, uh, just a quick aside, just speaking of local colleges, I just want to make give a quick shout-out to our co-host Jordan Leopold, who is, uh, about to, who is uh, actually starting right about now his senior season at Muhlenberg. He's a left-handed pitcher on the baseball team. Uh, this will be his first full season on the team, so lots to be excited about. Uh, Jordan uh, should be making uh, his first appearance within the next couple weeks or so. Um, you know, conference games starting, big season for the Mules. You know, tough, 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 tough ending to the last couple of seasons. But with Jordan on the mound, uh, anything is possible. So we're, we're, we are wishing him the best of luck, and we know he is going to uh, do absolutely awesome. Alex, that means a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah, we, we had a pretty tough year as a program, you know, the last two years. Uh, I think we went 6-6 six and six in 2019, right after the Florida trip. We were supposed to have this game against Misericordia, where, of course, I was supposed to make my first start of the year. So then what happens? Two nights before the game, the dean sends every student home. Season over, uh, you know, school year over, everything virtual, that's it. So we open up against, I don't know who, maybe McDaniel or somebody on the 20th. March 20th, mark your calendar, Centennial Conference Baseball is back. 
Thank you, Alex, and uh, roll mules. Absolutely. So that was just a quick aside. I just wanted to make note of, but um, just to quickly wrap up March Madness, because we have a few other topics we want to um, get going on here. Uh, I guess we'll just do a cha- uh, championship game prediction. So uh, I guess we each give, not Final Four, just, you know, team to win and then the runner-up. So my pick is going to be Michigan against uh, Villanova in the finals. Uh, Jack, Jordan, what are your guys' picks? Villanova, are you crazy? You know who I like. Uh, I like West Virginia. And I like him I like him to beat one of those blue bloods in uh Gonzaga or Baylor. And you know you know why I like him? Is a lot of people stress defense, 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 right? Defense wins championships. In the NCAA tournament, especially down the stretch in late rounds, that's not the case, especially against Gonzaga or Baylor or Michigan. A team where you're gonna have to score eighty something points to beat them. You just gotta you gotta win a shootout. Defense is flush out the window because regardless of how good your defense is, those teams will score eighty something points, and you gotta match them. And West Virginia, they can do that. They average eighty points a game. One of the best offensive teams in the country. Lost to Gonzaga by five. Took Baylor to overtime. You know they have wins at Texas, at Oklahoma State. This is a team that can score, 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 and that is a that is something you need in order to beat one of these teams who will be scoring a lot of points. you got to just match them and fight fire with fire. You look at West Virginia against Oklahoma State last game of the season. Yeah, they lost, but they shot 5-24 from three. Sorry, 4-25 from three. 16% and still, still scored 80 points. So they can score in a multitude of ways. They're not just one-dimensional, which is why I, I disagree with the Nova pick. I think they're far too one-dimensional in terms of uh, they can just really score by hitting threes. And we've seen them often. We've seen them lose to St. John's and Butler and Providence. I think a team that can score a lot of points, a team like West Virginia is a team to watch out for, and uh, that's why I took them at plus 2,500. I'm going to go with a popular pick here, which I don't like to do, but Gonzaga. They got three guys who could win the Wooden Award this year. They're an overpowering offense. It's as simple as that. Awesome. Cool, cool. So, you know, March is the best time, as, you know, college basketball fanatics say, and, you know, this year uh, – more the same. Like I said earlier, we went an entire, basically two years uh, without a tournament, uh, with the 2020 tournament being canceled. So, uh, so guys, you know, it's going to be a great tournament. Uh, March Madness is uh, here, and it's going to be wild. Um, anyway, uh, just moving on, uh, just, just, just to discuss some baseball quickly for uh, spring training. Uh, spring training is well underway. It's opening day is in about three, three or three and a half weeks, maybe. Um, guys, I mean, two out of three of us are Mets fans, and let's face it, this might be the best Mets team we've had in at least five or six years, if not the past, you know, 10 plus years. We we signed Lindor, Conforto, you know, middle of the lineup to Grom back, ace, ace of the staff. Uh, we signed, uh, what's, what's, God, here, uh, we signed James McCann. Uh, to the to be the backstop. Overall, I mean, this is one of the, this is a this is a great Mets team. You know, there, there's no denying that. Uh, Jordan, I'll start with you because you're the uh you're the uh fanatic Mets fan of the group. Uh, how do you see the Mets season shaping out? Do you think we're gonna see some disappointment again, like at '06 and '15, or you think finally, finally, man, that this is this is the year? Look, I think this might be the most talented Mets team that's been around honestly since maybe '06. I know this team is more hyped than the 2015 team. This team's built very differently 
than the 2015 team. Although, you know, obviously there's several key cogs from that team still here, like Conforto and DeGrom, uh, Syndergaard, etc. This might be the most hyped and talented team that they've had since 06. And one thing that nobody talks about that really stands out to me is the depth the Mets finally built and the bench they built. They have major league players coming off their bench. Jose Martinez, Albert Almora, Kevin Pillar. You have guys like Jonathan VR. I think what the Mets did from a depth perspective really puts them in a much better position. And it does remind me a little bit of 2015 when you had the ability to pull certain guys from the bench. That depth really comes into play in the National League. There's no DH at the moment, so obviously having those big bats later in the game, it could help. And down the road with injuries and things, the Mets are going to be very flexible with how they move guys around. They're still a mess defensively. They have a first baseman, Dominic Smith, stuck in left field. They got a good left fielder, in my opinion, and J.D. Davis stuck at third. You know, Pete Alonso is not too good over there at first, although, you know, he's making improvements. So it, it'll be interesting. Guys are going to be playing in and out of positions. I know Jeff McNeil's a primary second baseman, but I wouldn't be surprised if they move him around, you know, barring injury and whatever. People question what Brandon Nimmo can do in center field. The question marks are certainly there for the Mets, but they've definitely done enough to, in my opinion, solidify themselves as a postseason contender and even a World Series contender. Well, thank you for that uh, very thank you for the very insightful analysis, Jordan. Uh, just want to make a quick point because you you mentioned it briefly in your uh, your recap of the Mets. Um, what is going on with MLB? I mean, is there an NLDH? Is there no NLDH for the season, guys? We're about three weeks from the season, and we don't know one of the major position rules of this of the uh, of the season. Am I the only one who thinks that is crazy? If I'm not mistaken, MLB announced a rule change within a couple of days of the season last year. So, you know, the extra runner on second base and the uh, the seven-inning doubleheaders, etc. All those wacky rule changes, I think, came a matter of days before opening day. So, I wouldn't be shocked if a DH is ultimately announced this year before the season starts. But at the moment, you got to plan to not have one. So... See Jordan, Dom See Jordan, Smith is your left fielder. I agree with you there as as to like MLB, yeah, they implemented the rules, whatever. But keep in mind the DH is a strategical thing. It's not like seven hundred uh seven inning games is like that applies to all all teams. A DH, you know, for the Mets, let's take for example, if they have her, they don't have her, that's gonna impact the team specifically, whereas, you know, runner on second, but whatever, like it is what it is. But do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, here's where I'm going to disagree with you there. A DH is going to benefit every team. Now, I'm a big fan of National League Baseball. I've said it over and over again. I don't want the DH. But now, fast-forwarding to 2021, I realized how important the DH is to the Mets and how much it can help the Mets win. If there's a DH, you can flip-flop Alonzo and Smith at first, get Nimmo in left, and you know potentially put Kevin Pillar in center. And there you have a much, much better defensive team. It, it really helps the Mets so it really puts the Mets in a much better position than they'd be in opening day and I think they're in a pretty good position now without the DH but to answer your question no I think every team is impacted by the DH just the Mets are in this unique position where they have a positionless player in Dominic Smith 
who's actually a very good first baseman, but he's being blocked by a good offensive first baseman. I just want to tell you guys that, uh, as you guys know, I'm a Pirates fan. Any listener out there, I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Our uh, over-under win total is 58.5. So I'm jumping ship. I'm jumping off the Pirate ship this year. And I want to let you guys know that I am, I'm fully aboard the, uh, the Mets train. You know, I got some friends here back uh, where I live as well, who I, who I have been friends with since, you know, first grade, who are big Mets fans. And I'm, I'm hopping on board. And I, I just want to let you guys know that I'm, I'm full Mets this year. I, I like their uh, odds to win the NL East at plus 130. The Braves sit at plus 140. And I like the Mets over 91 wins as well. First time we've seen over under 90, some, 90 plus wins for the Mets. And first time we've seen them, you know, as the favorites in the NL East here. And I'm, I'm all aboard the train. I'm all aboard the train. I want to see a crowd in City Field this year. Uh, and I want to see a, a big crowd, you know, come, come August, September. And I'm, I'm ready to roll. Welcome aboard. It feels good. It feels good to be yes, aboard. Yes, sir. Now, just to talk about those Pirates for a minute, how does it feel? Who did you guys trade this offseason? Tyone, Musgrove, Josh Bell? We traded away our entire pitching rotation along with our best player. And you better believe that I will be hammering the Pittsburgh Pirates under 58.5 win total. I just don't see them getting there. Oh, I'm going to go over. I would go over the 58.5 in a heartbeat. I get that they're a terrible team, and they've traded so many talented players, such as, you know, kind of like the Marlins did a few years ago. But here's the difference. You know, Casey Stengel said each team loses 50, each team wins 50. He might have said 60. I think it was 50. Each team wins 50, each team loses 50, and it's the other 100 that are up in the air. So winning 50, 55 games is a minimum. You, you could be throwing out, like, a high school team and you'd still win 50 games. So, I understand this is not the strongest Pirates lineup they've had, but you know how hard it is to – do you know how hard it is to lose that much? I would say it's probably harder to win 110 games than it is to, to win 58. Oh, no, look, I, I, I get your point for sure. But you look at the Pirates, a team that averaged just over three runs per game with Josh Bell. I don't see any way they score any runs this year. And also, why why would the Pittsburgh Pirates why would the Pittsburgh Pirates want to win? Wouldn't you want to build? I mean, wouldn't you want to build in the draft year after year after year? Well, they're projected exactly. to get the number one pick this year, and it's undoubtedly going to be one of two guys: Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter. Two right-handed pitchers out of uh, out of Andy. So you guys are going to get that frontline pitcher this year, and maybe in future years, maybe to do what the Nationals do back to back when they took uh, Strasburg and Harper. So you know, maybe you get lucky that those two players turn around their entire franchise. So maybe that happens for the Pirates. But, but wouldn't you want to do that year after year? Like I don't see a reason yeah. for the Pittsburgh Pirates to want to, to want to win games this year. I it's mean, baseball. Yeah, Think, things happen. Sorry, I just want to counter out the point you said about the um about the uh, about the not winning. Um, the thing about baseball is, yeah, you can get a prospect with the first pick, but baseball farm farm system, baseball's farm system is so honestly, it's so up in the air. I mean, you can get, a, of course, you can get a Strasburg or Harper, but you can also draft a uh, a, t- a tip. You can also draft a Tim Beckham, like Tampa Bay did, and you know, oh eight or whatever. So, I think it's real. It's not. I don't want to say a coin flip, but I don't think baseball is a tanking sport. Well, look, here's, here's, here's another point, though. 
We just talked about how the Pirates, you know, they had Tyon and they had Williams. They had a full staff. They had Archer and they had Josh Bell. Oh, my God. I forgot. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. They traded Archer. They lost Trevor Williams in free agency. Right. lost everybody. Joe Musgrove. This offseason. And Josh Bell was one of the best players in the NL. And two years ago, guys, with a full staff and with Josh Bell, this Pirates team had 69 wins. So you don't so you don't see the Pirates winning 12 less games with this much worse of a team. If that team had if if that if they had 69 if they had 69 wins that year, don't you think it's under 58 this upcoming year? They don't have a pitching staff. They can't score runs. Their lone source of offense was Bell. They had five pitchers who are now gone, and that team had 69 wins. I don't see them winning more than 55 this year. I mean, I, I think the actually, you know, I think the Pirates are very very bad team. But look at the division they're playing in. The division winner in the NL Central might come out with eighty seven wins, eighty six or whatever, maybe lower. Who knows? That that division is you know, it's not a good division. It's it's wide open besides the Pirates. You know what? I might take back what I said about those fifty eight wins. The twenty nineteen Tigers. Finished forty seven and hundred fourteen. I'm telling you, the Pirates are going under. <laughs> the Pirates are going under fifty eight. I'm telling you, the Pirates are going under fifty eight. There's no way we win more than fifty eight games. Jack, how about this? What about the Pirates going under that uh, Detroit Tigers record of uh, hundred fourteen loss or over hundred fourteen losses? Hundred fourteen loss. I don't know. I mean, that's. I wouldn't be surprised, but that's that's really freaking bad. But I think this Pirates team might break records for one of the worst teams in the history of the MLB. They have nobody. How about this, Jack? Jack, um, who do you think the best player in the Pirates will be? You know, despite their, uh, despite their lackluster, lackluster roster, who do you think their best player will be? It's got to be Gregory Polanco or Adam Frazier. But I mean, look, they're both, they're both all right. They'd be an eighth or a ninth best player on most teams. I don't, I don't see this team winning more than 58 games. I got a trivia question to play right into uh, what Jack was going off of. So, who is the Pirates' current war leader? Wins above replacement. Who's their current franchise leader? All right, this is why they'll go this under. Is, and this is the, this is among active uh, players. Active players, Twitter. yes. They have to be tenured currently on the Pirates. Who is it? I know the answer. This is all you, Alex. I mean, I already know the answer because Jordan and I discussed this like two weeks ago. So that this is why it's the, actually Adam th- Frazier. This is why the Pirates will be under fifty-eight and a half because I don't think that most people <laughs> have heard of Adam Frazier, and he's the Pirates' current war leader. This team lost its entire pitching staff. I have honestly never heard of him. This team. I think his career war is about nine. I don't really remember. It's around nine. And to put that it's in honestly, perspective, Bryce good. Harper's MVP season, he had a war of nine for the whole season. Yeah, I'm so, looking at this guy's page now on Baseball Reference. I've never heard of the guy. This, I think this team. He's, he's arguably their best player. This team lost. And he's been around since sixteen. Wow. This team lost their entire pitching staff and their only source of runs. And that team, that team with those guys won 69 games. This is, this is a, an under 58 and a half situation, 100%. This team I got another one for games. you. I got another one for you guys. So, do you remember the Baltimore season in 2018? 
Yeah, they lost like 110 games or so. The 2018 Baltimore Orioles went 47 and 115. And that's a team that still had guys like Jonathan VR, Chris Davis, Adam Jones, Manny Machado, Trey Mancini, Mark Trumbo. Like, that was a talented team. They had yeah, Alex Cobb, you know. Jordan, that was keep a in mind, talented you team. You mentioned Chris Davis, who had like a 0.7 batting average. That team still had Adam Jones and Manny Machado, and they won 47 games. Look, yes, this Pirates team might yeah, go under 50 that, wins. That's a fair point. This Pirates team will not Name win Name somebody games. on the Pirates in the same conversation as Manny Machado. That's what I'm saying. That's my point. That's my point exactly. This Pirates yeah. team won't win more than 58 games. There's just zero chance. What do you guys think, guys? What do you guys think? Here's an interesting one. Uh, what do you guys think about the Dodgers over 104 and a half wins? Wouldn't be surprised, but it seems like a under. lot. Seems I, like- I think under. Yeah. Under. I mean, Jack, they're playing in the same division as San Diego. They're going to be neck and neck. I could see both of them winning 98, 99 games, but I don't think one of them is going to be, you know, four or five games better than the other. Well, look, 104 is a lot of games. No, I disagree. It's, 104 is a lot of wins. Uh, and here, here's my point. It's a lot of wins. But most of the time, the Dodgers, to win that division, don't have to win 104 games. But this year, no. if San Diego is breathing down their neck and that division's tight, can you see the Dodgers, you know, playing strong till the end and going over 104? No, I don't. I mean, they're going to rack up wins anyways, playing the Rockies, playing the Giants, who are at, I think, 75 and a half projected against the Diamondbacks. They're going to stack up wins against those teams. But, you know, come the rest of the National League, especially the Padres in their own division, National League got a lot stronger. It's a lot more balanced. If you remember the American League, it was it was fairly top-heavy the last few years. Now the National League is starting to follow that trend a little bit. The good, you know, the rich are getting richer. The Dodgers got even better. The Braves got even better. The Mets got a lot better. The Cardinals got a world's better by just by adding Arenado. So I don't think the Dodgers can necessarily rack up 105, 108 wins, but... I could see them hitting ninety nine or hundred. Yeah, it seems like a big seems like a big number for sure. But and and I see what you're saying. But my point is that the National League, the fact it's gotten better, maybe you can use that that as reasoning for the Dodgers to go over. You know, because the Dodgers can't be coasting to the number one seed like they always do. They got to keep winning games towards the end as well. My World Series pick here. Yes, you know I might be biased, but whatever. My pick. Uh... I think that the Mets could play the Yankees, honestly. I mean, they're both top 10 teams. They both haven't made, they both haven't made the playoffs, and actually, no, that's false. They both haven't made the World Series in, you know, half a decade or more. I think we're just due for a uh, Subway Series in the uh, year 2021. I mean, what do you guys think? I think Lucas Giolito leads the White Sox to the World Series, wins uh, the AL Cy Young. And I think the White Sox lose to the New Look Padres, led by uh, Hugh Darvish. I think Hugh Darvish closes out games. Jack, I think that's a very good pick. Uh, I think San Diego and the Chicago White Sox are two of the best young up-and-coming teams in the league. But I still think the Mets are going to take the hardware this year. All right, well, I kind of wish I answered the question first because Jack kind of took the answer right out of my mouth. I got to go Chicago White Sox here. I'm a little bit annoyed because last year I had the White Sox 
and Tampa as my AL champion, and I had the Braves or Dodgers as my NL champion. So I got fairly close. But this year, I'm going to say, hmm, I'm still going with the White Sox for the AL. I think it's, there's no doubt about it. The only team, as much as I really despise them, I think the Yankees are going to make a run for it. I know the Indians are only listed at 81 and a half wins, but, you know, Jose Ramirez, I don't know if he could uh, pull a miracle out of his butt and propel them to a wild card spot. I'm not writing the Indians off just yet, but... It's pretty much a two-team race there, the White Sox and the Yankees. As for the National League, look, it's the Dodgers, it's the Mets, and it's the Padres. I don't know really how much more you can say. As a Met fan, I understand that if things go right, this is a team that's capable of winning 94 or more games. I also realize that if things go south, then you know it may be a different story. It's probably going to be the Dodgers, so... I'm going to say Dodgers Mets against the White Sox for my World Series pick. Cuz you know what I you know what I like you know what I like as a as a very nice value pick. You know what I like as a very nice value pick here in the MLB futures market. The Atlanta Braves. Uh the Braves. no no cuz I like the Mets in that division. And and it's also they're only plus 140 the Braves. Meanwhile in the in the, in the NL West, the Dodgers are laying 3 to 1. Minus 300 to win the NL West. And if you guys think, and as well as I, think that San Diego can compete with them neck and neck, San Diego's, San Diego's sitting, sitting at 2-1 to one plus 200 to win the NL West. Which I, I keep an eye on that. I think San Diego, can, San, Diego, San Diego can win that division. I don't like Atlanta only plus 140, but I like San Diego at plus 200. Dad, we're going to have to keep an eye on the futures market for the uh, 2021 MLB season. We'll... Uh... Definitely stay in touch uh, throughout the season uh, on the uh, on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a valuable market um, going forward. Hey guys, I got one more. I got one more over under for you, just because uh, we're on this trend. I'd like to continue it. We're not going to go through thirty teams, but right here, I got the Yankees. Uh, DraftKings has them at ninety five and a half. Do you go over or under? Uh. That's tough. Uh, I'm gonna go over. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I like the I like the Yankees to go under ninety five and a half. I don't know if they reach ninety five wins. Uh, I I think they win the AL East, but I don't know if they get to ninety five. No, no, cool, I certainly cool. don't think so. They're they're a good team, but I don't think they're gonna win ninety five. That's just too high. I think that uh, Gary Sanchez has too many question marks behind the plate, and I do think if the Yankees want to be a serious World Series contender at some point, maybe around the All-Star break, they're going to have to add another catcher. And I'm not saying you don't put Sanchez in the lineup. Maybe you move him to the DH. Maybe you trade him. You cannot win a World Series with Gary Sanchez catching. Like that's that's just my opinion. You need to get Gary Sanchez out of there. I think they're going to look for at least a backup catcher. A defensive-oriented guy. I think that Luke Voigt is severely overrated. People think he's a top three first baseman. He's he's not. I know that I'm just bashing the Yankees here because I'm a Met fan, but in all seriousness, they're probably they're probably going to win the East. But 95 is too many wins. I'm taking the under. 
interesting topic here, guys, is the Tampa Bay Rays over-under is 86 wins, which means the book believes that will be a close AL East race. And it should be. But if, you, if, you know, if, you, if you're looking at Tampa, and Tampa's a team winning over 86 games, if they can, if they can push 90 wins, that forces the Yankees to, to win more. And you know, if that's the case, if Tampa can keep the Yankees on their tails, like if San Diego can do with the, with the, with the, with the Dodgers... Then I see the Yankees going over 95 and a half. But if Tampa's not playing like the book or we expect them to play and the Yankees can coast more to win the AL East, then it will go under. The Yankees number 95 and a half, whether that hits or not, is, is very heavily based on how Tampa Bay. I totally agree. And I still think Tampa Bay is that team to really give the Yankees a run for their money. Obviously, Blake Snell is no longer there. But they still have a talented staff. They got Chris Archer back and kind of, you know, making a mockery of the Pirates trade. And I'm not sold on a Rosarina as a, a superstar yet, but I think he's a very good young player they have. So I think Tampa is going to go over that, and I think they're going to get the Yankees, you know, a run for their money. And look, and if Tampa goes over that and gives the Yankees a run for their money, the Yankees are going over 95 and a half. So the, uh, Yan- the Yankees relies on what Tampa does. MLB starting in three, three to three and a half weeks from now, you know, should be an awesome season. Again, going to be kind of a weird season with restrictions and whatnot, but fans will be back in the stands for opening day, I think, for all 30 ball clubs. That's great. And, uh, you know, excited. I mean, we all love baseball, so I'm hyped. But anyway, moving on, uh, just a quick NBA note or a few notes. Uh, All-Star game. I want to hear your thoughts on the new Elam ending. Or is it Elam? Um, not sure the pronunciation there. Anyway, um They've impl- implemented the rule for the past two All-Star games where the uh, winner has a target score and they have to achieve uh, achieve that score in order to win. So no clock, fourth quarter, game has to end in a made basket or foul shot. There's been a lot of talk going on around you know Twitter and online about this becoming a thing in basketball games, if not the, you know, the NBA eventually in real games. What do you think about it? You think it's just... An, you think this is just a novelty thing, uh, just you know, for fun, uh, or do you think it's something that will improve the quality of basketball, Jack? Let, let me let me let me start with this. So I, I had the I had over three seventeen and a half uh, in the All Star game, and I watched the first I watched the first half, and I saw or the first quarter and a half, and I saw it was it was it was like a hundred to ninety in the second quarter. Oh my god, this is gonna shatter. So I turned a movie on. It was like 100 to like 80, 180. Yeah, 180, yeah. 180. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this will go over 317. So I, I turned a little, uh, wasn't a movie, I turned a little show on, watched a couple episodes. And then I turned the game back on, and it's going to the fourth quarter. I'm like, all right, I should hit this pretty easily. Now, I was aware that this Elam ending was a thing, but I had, I, I had forgotten about it. Like, I, I had forgotten that this that it was. I knew, I knew it was, but I just forgot. And... I thought that that was going to screw me. I'm like, I'm like, Team KD or Team Durant has to start scoring here because if Team LeBron reaches 170, <laughs> like that's it, it goes under. I'm like, I'm gonna get screwed by the Elam ending. So at that point, no, I didn't like it. Like if you're if you're betting the over, you hate. If you're betting the under, you like it. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Uh, but thank God, you know, Kawhi hit that three for Team Durant, and my friends were texting me like, "Oh, Jack, like, you know, Damian Lillard with that three wins you that game. I'm like, no, it didn't. Like, that Kawhi Leonard three won me that game for, from Team Durant. Because if he misses that and Lillard cans that three, it hits 317. Uh, so that's that's the uh, simple answer when it comes to the Elam ending. If, if you bet the over 
no, you don't like it. But if you bet the under, you sure do like it because it was giving me a heart attack. I mean, take away that Elon Manning, you play a regular fourth quarter and that game goes way over 317. But but it, it was too much of a sweat there with that Elon Manning. Thank God for Kawhi hitting that three. Jack, I, I appreciate the insight, but for our view, for our listeners who maybe are not betters, um, just, you know, just uh, sports fans from a theoretical standpoint, you think it's a uh, good practice or no? Uh, Jordan, you can take the theoretical standpoint. Uh, I'll, 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 stick, <laughs> I'll, I'll stick to the, uh, the, uh, the gambler standpoint, but you go with the theoretical standpoint. You go with the sports fan standpoint. Huh. All right. I got, I got a very easy answer here and it's, it's why reinvent the wheel. Okay. Sure. Why reinvent one of the greatest games ever invented? What's the need? I think people are saying that the last two minutes of a ball game in basketball could take, you know, 20 to 30 minutes, which is true with fouling and such. Yeah. That's, um, that's what that it being, is. That being said, are you happy with the game in which it's a back to, uh, back and forth game with one, two minutes left and uh, shooters are going to the foul line constantly? Or would you rather see a game with tight defense, maybe a fouler here and there, but for the most part, made buckets, good rebounding, and ex- excellent defense? Look, Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks. Knicks are the four seed in the East. Defense wins games. Defense wins games. I understand that you have teams like the Nets who are statistically one of the worst defensive teams in NBA history and also at the same time statistically one of the best offenses in NBA history. And they're atop the East right now. So obviously offense is fun. It's flashy. I still think defense wins games. It's an important part of basketball. So what are you going to do here? You're just going to change the game? You're going to change the rules? It's like what MLB did with the runner on second base. Why reinvent the wheel? To get to get, to get under betters. Say the rule was implemented okay, for the NBA and you implemented a target score for the, um, for the new rule. What would the, how, what is the target score? Is that just like random like you know how do you how do you determine that so that's just something like obviously which is you know tough to say because that would that would almost be on a game by base by basis what are you going to say like oh tar- target score is 21 22 like i think that that's just too random and kind of changes the flow of the game to a negative extent yeah also uh what do yeah, they think this probably... is? Ping pong, volleyball, like we're we're gonna have fixed we're gonna have fixed scores. Is this table tennis? Well, they gotta get uh, more. Un- they gotta get I more mean, under betters. The, the NBA is a uh... Jack. I'm sorry, Jordan. Jordan. The NBA is a uh, like you said. It's a great sport. It's been around for seventy plus years, in its current form, more or less, keep it the way it is as a great sport with a clock and no score limit and. I think maybe down the road in decades to come, rules will change as time changes and decades come and go. But for the time being, with the current state of the NBA, keep it as is, and I think that's the way to go. Look, I don't know what you guys think about NBA All-Star Weekend. I used to love it, and it's just watered down so much. You're never going to see that Dominique-Jordan matchup in a dunk contest anymore. You know, Arfany Simons won the dunk contest this year. Even a few years ago, you had guys like John Wall, and I think Paul George might have been in there. Dwight Howard. You had all these big names. And now it's 
Ob Nate Toppin. Robinson. And, Nate Robinson, even though he wasn't a big name per se, but he won three times. Yeah, but now it's always the 14th and 15th men on the benches winning. This this isn't the All Star games back, you know, in 2010 where you would KG and Dirk and Kobe and all those guys. It's All Star weekends just changed for the worst, in my opinion. It's not the same Look, as it used to be. Jordan, at the end of the day, All Star weekend it's it's about it's about the fans, it's about the the media, it's about the fanfare. Well, guys, and, there's something to be said for. I mean, there's something to be said for you know. It, Guys pulling up from half court. Yeah, that's fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still love the All-Star game, even though it's kind of like Jordan said, a watered-down competition of uh, three-pointers and dunks and alley-oops. Look, it's fun to watch guys shoot half-court shots, but at the same time, the it's a basketball game, and these are the best basketball players in the world. So I want to see a competitive game out there. I think I would have had 20 points. I think I could have 20 points in that game. Yeah, Jack. No, Jack. I I I, re- I really like you going out for the NBA in the next few years. So I mean, coming out of Marist College, I don't think they've had many. I don't think Marist has had many, if any, NBA players. Maybe you could start a trend there. Rick Smith. That's that's really it. Uh, awesome. But look, I mean, uh, I'm, anyway, I'm a, guys, I'm uh, a shooter. Curry's a shooter. So what, what's the difference? Yes, sir. Uh, anyway, moving on. Just uh, just want to make a quick comment. Uh, yeah, put, put James take, Harden on take, you. You'll you'll score fifty. I would. Huh. Sorry, just want to get you guys, uh, before we uh, wrap up here in a few minutes, just quick take. Uh, Blake Griffin to the Nets. Wow. Um, you think the Nets are the overwhelming favorites now? I mean, personally, I still like the Lakers as the favorites, but who do you guys think is going to end up uh, on top? you think LeBron's going to uh, repeat as champion? Do you think uh, the big three in Brooklyn are going to win, or do you think uh, the Knicks are going to win? A <laughs> couple months back, about a month back, I placed the future on the Jazz plus 1,600. Uh, so that's what I'm rolling with. I'm rolling with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Of course, of course you placed the future bet. <laughs> so I'm, I'm rolling with the Jazz. I'm rolling with Mitchell, Gobert, and Ingles. That's my big three. Jordan Clarkson, the top top seed in the West right now. The, you just got to go through Utah. Mike, Mike Connolly. Mike Connolly. Yeah, Mike Connolly Jr. I'm, I'm rolling with the Jazz. I'm rolling with the boys out in Salt Lake. Look, I could go Jazz. I can go Clippers. But LeBron is just a different species come postseason time. So while I think exactly. the Jazz, while I think the Jazz and the Clippers are better and deeper teams than the Lakers, especially with thirty-six-year-old King and you know injured Anthony Davis, LeBron just turns it to a different level. So I'm gonna say Lakers. Yep. Six. So I want to say I think the Nets will make the finals, but my pick is gonna be Lakers over Nets in six as well. LeBron MVP, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. I'm going to say uh, the Jazz over the Lakers in six, then the Jazz over the Nets in the finals in five. I got I got a question for you guys. Besides yep. the Nets, who's, who's a legitimate finals contender in the East? Because interesting enough, it's it's not the Boston Celtics. It's not the Miami Heat. Who is it? Look, is it really the just answer, the Nets? The easy answer is Philadelphia with Embiid. He's, I think he might win MVP. I still love Milwaukee. I mean, Giannis is the best player. I, I mean, besides LeBron, I think he's the best player in the league. Chris Middleton has emerged as one of the best uh, supporting players in the league. Uh, do they have the Lopez brothers too? I think, maybe. I don't know. Milwaukee's doing great things. And, I mean, Giannis is 
Giannis is on another level. We saw him in the All-Star game, 16 for 16 shooting, MVP. The man is unreal, especially as a uh, as a player who can really guard all five positions in the court. I think Milwaukee is uh I think Milwaukee can challenge Brooklyn in the East for sure. You know what, you know what I you know who I like guys? Well, obviously, I th- I think the Nets will end up in the NBA Finals. Hard to say they won't. Uh but I'm going to talk about a an extreme value pick here. Not the Celtics, not the Bucks, not the 76ers. I like the reigning East Eastern Conference champions, Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler and the kid uh, Tyler Hero. At plus sixteen hundred, to go to the NBA Finals. My homeboy. I don't know about that. There's, there's even a song written after Tyler here. You know how, how can you pick against this kid? Look, preseason, I had the Heat. By the way, Jack, that that's a great song. Uh, Jack Harlow, check it out. It's a great song. That that's why that's why I'm picking him. It's one of my. It's a great song. Like preseason, I had the Miami Heat winning the finals, but kind of like Boston, things have just gone south there. So I I don't see Miami getting there at all. I, I think if anybody's going to give Brooklyn a run for their money, it's going to be the 76ers. And, you know, on paper, Brooklyn has the best team in the NBA, given that their starting lineup could be Irving, Harden, Durant, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin. But it's not the same Blake Griffin. It's not the same Blake Griffin. It's an older DeAndre Jordan. Look, I just don't think it's the same guys. This isn't the 2011 All-Star game. Like, these guys have aged. I'm not saying they're done. They're obviously superstars. But you're not pairing Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan with prime KD and prime Kyrie. It's it's not the same group. And I think trading away Jared Allen and Karis LeVert was a massive mistake for the Nets. I think it's going to backfire. I think that whole Brooklyn situation is going to backfire. Yeah, look, a, a lot a, a lot of people were were saying once that trade was made, oh, wow, Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin. And obviously, yeah, he's still, he's still a very good player. Um, but I do think that he is a little bit more of a name at this point than he used to be, um, along with DeAndre Jordan. I, I think they're, they're names. Uh, more so as opposed to superstars we've seen in the past in, in L.A. Yeah. And, I mean, look, Blake Griffin's case specifically, he has developed a better all-around game. He's a better passer, better defender, better outside scorer than he ever was with the Clippers. The Clippers, he was, you know, he was a highlight tape. But I'm concerned about Griffin's knees. He's not that primary scoring option maybe he'll give you 20 here and there but you can't rely on him to give you 25 30 a night and i'm just i'm concerned about his health well that's the thing so, though you're not gonna have to you're not gonna have to rely on him to score 25 30 a night when you have when you have durant and, and harden and and Kyrie. like i mean blake griffin can't lead a team and be the superstar in a team that's but fair I, he, he but can I be, think he brooklyn can be your... should have to do a good job managing his minutes i, I agree but i mean it, to have blake griffin as your you know Fifth best player, fourth best player. He doesn't have to score twenty five points a game. So guys, I, I enjoyed uh, you know returning to uh, do a podcast with you guys. It's it's again it's been a while and had a good time, uh, but not over not you're not done yet. A couple minutes left here. I'm gonna give a pick here that I like in the futures market. You know with with the Big Twelve tournament, 
And you know, well, one of my friends, a lot, a lot of kids that, a lot of kids that I know, uh, like Villanova plus four hundred to win the Big East. And you go on the 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 topics of well, what I was just saying that that topic of a name. I think Villanova is a name at this point. You know, you know, you just lost what makes you just lost the piece that makes the team go round in Colin Gillespie. You just lost Justin Moore. So I do not like Nova at all. I'm gonna hop over to the Big Twelve. And you look at the Big Twelve, a team that runs seven deep. And you have Kansas and Texas Tech and Baylor and West Virginia and Texas and Oklahoma. I like the Texas Longhorns to win the Big Twelve championship at plus six hundred. I know I picked West Virginia to win the NCAA tournament. I like the Texas Longhorns plus six hundred to win the Big Twelve tournament. Kansas just you you're playing Texas Tech in the first round, you lost to them twice, you're gonna get them back. They'll get them back. Then you're going to play Kansas in the, in the semifinals, who just lost McCormick for the tournament because of the virus. You're going to beat them. You don't have to see Baylor until the championship game. Teams like West Virginia and Oklahoma State will see Baylor in the semis. Texas will cruise. They'll get revenge on Texas Tech. They'll beat a McCormickless Kansas. And they will avoid Baylor until the, until the championship game. And anybody can win that championship game. And who would you rather have? Texas Longhorns at 6-1 to one, or Baylor as a two-to-one favorite. Uh, I like Texas plus 600. I think great value there to win the Big 12. Thank you, listeners, uh, for tuning in for another episode. I know we've been out for a while, uh, but it's been a pleasure. Uh, everyone, Jack and Jordan, you know, wish you all the best. Speak soon, and uh, I'll, I'll speak to you all soon. Uh, thanks again for listening. I'm Alex, signing off. Yeah, thank you, Alex, for that little outro there. Yeah, it was great to be back, as I said earlier, and hopefully uh, we can be doing this a little more often, you know, keep pretty consistent with it. Um, and this is, uh, Jack Weinberger signing off. Yeah, guys, yo, I'm really happy we, uh, picked this up again. I know it's been a couple months, but we'll, we'll be doing this more regularly. Thank you for all those who listen. If you want to keep listening, you could go to Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor.fm, pretty much anywhere where there are podcasts, you can listen to us. All you have to do is search either the creator's name, myself, Jordan Leopold, or search Touch Em All Podcast, and you will find us. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to us. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Alex. My name is Jordan Leopold, and I'm signing off. Have a good night.